0: good morning again everybody great to see you here today uh, and if you're new here again thank you for being with us and uh, we would love to get to know you better if you let us know on that connection card we'd love to follow up with you um, and if you're new we here and uh, we haven't been able to connect please fill another one out we'd, we'd love to do that uh, if you were here last week uh, you know that we Uh, preached through this sermon the title was uh, the glory of God's mysterious timing and uh, we looked at this kind of confusing passage in scripture in which Jesus's good friend Lazarus is very sick he's on his deathbed and so Lazarus's sisters they send a messenger to Jesus to ask him to heal their brother Lazarus and we see that instead of healing him Jesus does this unusual thing. He actually allows his friend Lazarus to suffer and to die. Now why in the world we think why why in the world would any person let their friend die when they know that they can heal them? We talked about that last week and for us, you know, just like Jesus was asked for help uh, by Lazarus and his sisters, I'm guessing that most of us in here have also asked God for help during difficult situations, right? Uh, Sometimes God answers us very quickly. Sometimes we do see quick answers to prayer. Sometimes we see prayers answered slowly. And sometimes it appears uh, that God doesn't answer us at all. But in the situation of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, it looks first like Jesus doesn't answer them, like he doesn't hear them. He doesn't hear their prayer, their request. He doesn't travel to Lazarus to see him on his deathbed. He doesn't heal Lazarus. He doesn't even heal Lazarus from a distance. And remember, what's remarkable about this is is that these are his dear friends. So It's very unusual. But in the passage, Jesus does give a few hints that he's up to something. Jesus says that he's going to take Lazarus's tragic situation And he's going to do something through it that reveals God's glory, that shows God as awesome as he truly is in such a way that when people see this, whatever Jesus does, it will produce faith in them. They will see that Jesus is the Son of God. They will trust in him. And at the same time, this amazing thing that God does is going to display just how much Jesus does love. Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So it's going to be epic. That's what we're going to look at today. So if you got your Bible with you, then please turn with me to John chapter 11, <clears throat> 17 to 45. John 11, 17 to 45. And as you're turning to that, let me remind you that two days after Jesus got the message, he decided it was time to go to Bethany, where Lazarus lived. And remember that that was a really risky move because Laz, uh, Lazarus lived in this little village called Bethany, which was on this hill, just not even two miles from Jerusalem. So that's about the same distance right from here to Hagen. It's about how far it was. And it was very dangerous for Jesus to go to Bethany. Because he had just fled Jerusalem where people were trying to arrest him and kill him. And so he knows that if he goes to Bethany, there's a chance that he's going to be arrested and killed. But he also knows that his time to go to the cross is coming and that he's orchestrating all the events. Regardless, though, we see this God who loves us and enters into dangerous situations for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this passage today that we have uh, in our language. Thank you for the people who have translated it from Greek and Hebrew into English for us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would work through this passage. It is your word today. Would you please minister to us? Give us what we need. Please teach us, change us, uh, convict us, Lord. Help us to see you in your glory. Help us to worship you. Please help us to see our own imperfections, our own sins, that we might turn against those things, turn away from those things and turn to you in faith. Would you please protect our kids next door and protect us physically and spiritually. Help us stay alert to your spirit and your word now. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, we'll start by reading John 11. verses 17 to 27. We'll take that section first. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Let's stop there. Here Jesus makes another one of his famous I am statements, right, that we see throughout John. And he says, yes, believe in the resurrection of the dead because it is true, but more than that, know that I am the resurrection. Okay, I am the power that raises the dead to life. So the final judgment on the last day isn't the only time and place that you're going to see the dead brought back to life. The dead can be brought back to life physically and or spiritually wherever Jesus is. See, Jesus says, I am the one who does it. I am the creator of life. I am the resurrector of the dead. Amen? And then what Jesus says is he explains that He uses this word word believe or faith. He says, faith in him is the means that he has put in place by which we are resurrected from the dead, okay? So, not just believing that God exists, okay? Most people, most historians believe that Jesus exists, right? not just believing that Jesus is God, but believing that Jesus is our Savior and that he has done what is necessary to save us. This is what it means to trust in Jesus as God, that he has come to seek and to save the lost, to push back the brokenness in this dark world, and which we're getting a glimpse of now in the way he's working by his Spirit in his church and through us and how this will look for eternity with God um, in control, with evil being punished, and with the just enjoying Jesus forever with him. Jesus says that this is the way to be saved from death. This is the way to receive everlasting life by believing that he is the resurrection and the life. And he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Okay? So whoever believes in me as God, even though he dies, even though that person dies physically, yet shall he live spiritually, okay? And in verse 26, Jesus says, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Okay. In other words, everyone who has spiritual life by believing in me shall never die. Die, okay? So not only does Jesus give uh, spiritual life to those who trust in Him, not only does God give His friendship to those of us who trust in Him, but also He says this that this spiritual life, this friendship with God does not have an end date, okay? It will never end. Praise God. Jesus, He doesn't say this if you believe in me, then when you die physically, I will let you live spiritually another hundred years and then you will die. Oh, no, Jesus says that if you trust in me, then this wonderful spiritual life that I give you will never end and you will never die. You will never stop knowing me and living with me. You will never stop loving me and receiving my love and grace. You will never stop enjoying my glory forever and you will be joyful forever so that it means that Jesus is the resurrection and the life amen this is this is awesome stuff he's saying this happens wherever i am okay then jesus asked martha on this dirt road outside of bethany do you believe this do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Can you imagine having God look at you and asking you, do you believe? Do you believe this? In verse 27, Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. It's interesting, she doesn't just say yes, right? In a simple yes, she actually kind of expands on what she believes in this beautiful statement this beautiful confession of faith she says yes i believe that you are the christ which to the old testament jews the it meant i believe that you are the one that all of our prophets have prophesied about the savior who's coming into the world to save his people and martha says that jesus i i believe that you are the son of god that you are not merely a human prophet but that you are divine you are coming into the world. You have unlimited access to God the Father. You have unlimited knowledge of God the Father because you are God. And and just like Jesus asked Martha on that road outside of Bethany, this is a question for us, you guys. Do you believe this? Today, do you and I believe this? Do we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? if we really do, it changes things for us, big time. It changes things about how we live and how we think and how we hope and what we want to accomplish in this life. Are you trusting in Jesus today as the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world who left heaven and came to earth to rescue people like you and me who have been disobedient Have you talked to God in prayer and told him this? Our God is a personal God. He's a person to whom you can talk. Have you responded in faith by confessing to Jesus, I believe you, God. I believe this, and I know that I need you. I trust you. I believe that you're the son of God. I need you to take my guilt, my shame, my sin, and I need you to to wipe that away for me. And I believe that because of what you did on the cross that you have. And thank you, God, for that. Do you believe that today? If you believe that, man, what a God we have to worship today. Amen? This is incredible. This is better than anything that we're going to see on TV today, you guys. This is legit. I mean, this is reality. This is the real deal. Now, time is short, right? Our time is short. I talked on the phone this morning to somebody who's having surgery in a few weeks and they don't know if they're going to make it. This is reality. This is the world that we live in. Time is short. Let's get right with our God and experience the joy that He can give us and and live the life with Him that He gives us now. Let's continue to read in verses 28 to 32. When she, uh, Martha Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Martha told Mary that Jesus was calling for her, Mary rose quickly. She, she went to see Jesus on this road outside of Bethany, and this large group of Jews who were at their house followed her. They were wailing, Uh, they were mourning over the death of lazarus and they followed mary because they thought she was going to go to lazarus's tomb and when mary saw jesus it says she she just fell at his feet and she said essentially where were you lord where were you where were you when we needed you if you would have answered us when we called for you none of this would have happened Lazarus would still be alive. Where were you? And something fascinating happens. Verse 33 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? So Jesus sees his dear friend Mary here. And he sees this large crowd of Jews following Mary that's also weeping and wailing. And it says that it deeply affects Jesus in an emotional level And in a spiritual way, he's deeply moved in his spirit. He experiences a variety of complex emotions all at the same time. And verse 33 says he was deeply moved in his spirit and at the same time, he was greatly troubled. And Jesus wept. God wept. God in human flesh wept as he fully experienced the emotional loss of a loved one. And there's confusion in the crowd about why Jesus is weeping. Some said that he's crying because he loves Lazarus so much. But others in the crowd said, well, if Jesus really is who he claims to be, then couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Now, even today, there are dozens of ideas about why Jesus wept here. But if we just stick to what the text says here, then we can get pretty good insight into what triggered Jesus' emotional response. Okay, remember this. Remember who Jesus is. Remember that Jesus is God the Son who was never created, okay? But he has existed forever. Now, around 2,000 years ago, Jesus left heaven and took on, he added to himself human flesh in order to become to to be fully God and to become fully human, right? And he did that so that he might obey God perfectly like you and I haven't, so that he might be our substitute on the cross by dying and suffering for our disobedience, which he didn't do, and by rising from the grave, which he unites us in if we trust in him. So first... We're thinking about why Jesus wept. God became man, and the man Jesus lost a good friend. His friend was dead. And Jesus experienced all of the physical and mental and emotional human turmoil that we experience when we lose a loved one. This is what's fascinating. He had known this, right? He's God. So even though four days previously, um, Jesus knew this it appears that actually coming to Lazarus' town visiting his family going to see his tomb affected him in a much different and deeper way than it had earlier now second why is Jesus weeping well he's grieving the death of Lazarus but he's also deeply affected it says when he sees his good friend Mary who's absolutely torn up over her brother's death. So Jesus is not a God who does not feel. He is not a God who is unaffected by our circumstances. He is not unaffected by our emotions. He's not, affected, uh, not unaffected by our emotions, not unaffected by our requests of him, Okay? Instead, it says that God sees that Mary and Martha are broken and it breaks his heart. And that's because God hates brokenness. That's why he came to fix the brokenness, okay? God hates illness. God hates death. God hates the very sin that humanity submitted to and brought into the world by listening to Satan instead of listening to God. And this is why God gives us commands to follow in Scripture, not as a burden, but so that we will not bring on more brokenness to ourselves, so that we won't bring more destruction to ourselves in this life and after this life. And certainly, God's law also shows us that none of us have obeyed as we should and as only Jesus did. So that means that all of us in this life, we are under the curse of sin. We are experiencing the repercussions of sin and brokenness in our world. And Jesus sees the pain in the people that uh, has been brought upon them and specifically upon Lazarus and his family, and he is terribly grieved by it. And at the same time, the passage says that Jesus is greatly troubled or outraged, okay? He's outraged. So the scene in front of him, okay, think about what he's seeing, He's seen Mary and Martha right in front of him. He's seen this big crowd of mourners uh, uh, who have come from Jerusalem, and it outrages him. And surely he's outraged partially because, because he, he hates this brokenness. He, 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 he is saddened by the fact that we submitted to Satan and didn't listen to him. He sees the repercussions and how it's playing out in our lives. Colossians 1.16 says that all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. That includes you and me. We were created through the power of Jesus and we were created for the glory of Jesus. And this present suffering that they experienced and which we experience is not what God wanted for humanity in the beginning. Okay? It's not what God wants for humanity right now. However, in his ultimate wisdom, he does allow it for a time being. And because of his grace and mercy, and especially even more, seeing this grace and mercy expressed and uh, uh, through the life and death and resurrection and purchasing real power and salvation for us, God takes our suffering and he can flip it and use it for good in our lives, which is incredible. Okay, now the third reason Jesus is probably weeping here is he's probably saddened and outraged by the very fact that most of the grieving people in front of him don't believe that he's God. Most of the people in front of him don't believe that he's the resurrection and the life. They're disappointed in him for not showing up. They're They wish he would have come earlier, but they do not see him for what he really is. We know this. I mean, John starts his gospel this way. In verse 11, he says that Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So it's safe to assume that this crowd of wailing Jews that was created to know God and created to know this salvation that Jesus has come to offer, that most of them probably don't. Most of them probably don't believe that jesus can do anything so it says that jesus weeps and he's also outraged by the death of lazarus because as a human he's broken over his friend's death he's broken and and sad and seeing mary and martha broken and then he's really sad seeing this whole crowd of people many of whom do not believe in him If you're here today and you're going through a time of sadness if you are a person who struggles with depression um, if you're here today and for whatever reason you're broken or really stressed if you're grieving one thing you can know for sure from this passage is that God knows how you feel Hebrews four fifteen says that Jesus sympathizes with you in your pain, because He's gone through it. I like the word empathize because it, it's not mean, it doesn't mean just I feel bad for you, but it means I feel bad for you because I know how you feel. But we don't have a God. We don't have a God who's cold and this weird spirit out there. He's a person who loves us and has experienced the pain we've felt to a deeper level than we have. And He's compassionate towards us, and He loves us. We should know that today. And you should also know this, that the Bible is very clear. God is very clear in His Word. Psalm 30 and other many other places say that even though the darkness and weeping in your life lasts for the night, joy comes in the morning. Okay. So the anguish that you may be feeling today will not be how you feel forever if you're in Christ. <laughs> That's great. Because <laughs> I, I pray that God gives to you and to me much laughter in this life and much joy in this life, but let's not be um, ignorant that Jesus said you will have many trials. This will not be easy for you. So if your laughter, if your joy, if your happiness is sparse on this side of heaven, then Look to Jesus in faith right now and look in hope to the future that Jesus has already purchased for you and has promised to us. He says that your mourning will turn to dancing. Your mourning will turn to dancing because of what he's done. The reality is this that those of us in Christ have an eternity, have forever waiting for us that's full of glory of God, it's full of laughter, and it's full of joy greater than we can even begin to fathom in our little brains. And that's all because God is who He is, and He is love, and He loves us. And He's gracious to us, and He's offered us salvation from the brokenness. And that salvation, that resurrection, that life is available, Jesus says, through trusting Him through faith in him let's read what uh, Jesus does next here verses 38 to 45 then Jesus deeply moved again came to the tomb it was a cave and a stone lay against it Jesus said take away the stone Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew, and I think that's interesting that it's the past tense, And his face wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. That's awesome. It's incredible. Verse 38 here says that Jesus, he says he was deeply moved again, okay, emotionally, in his spirit, and he came to the tomb where Lazarus was laid, and this tomb was a cave. And up against the entrance to this cave, there was a stone, right, that could be rolled away. And Jesus tells the people, take away the stone. And then Martha, who's already expressed her faith in Jesus earlier in this passage, she kind of pushes back against Jesus and she says, Lord, I don't think that's a good idea. By this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Okay, now I read several places this week that it was very significant that Jesus waited four days. He waited four days. His timing wasn't off. He waited four days to perform this miracle. First of all, since Jesus waited four days before he showed up in Bethany, nobody could say that Lazarus wasn't really dead, right? Uh, Nobody could say that Lazarus was just asleep. Because he got a whole town and people from Jerusalem coming here. And, and, and so four days had passed since Lazarus breathed his last breath and this whole crowd knows it's very obvious that Lazarus is not sleeping and he is dead. The second, the reason it's significant that he waited four days, is that he had waited long enough for Lazarus' physical body to noticeably decompose. So although some bodies were embalmed in ancient times, Lazarus' body obviously hadn't been embalmed because his relatives were quick to wrap his body, bury it in the tomb, and they didn't want to open the tomb and smell the corpse. And so Jesus waited to show up in Bethany until the physical decomposition of Lazarus' body would have set in significantly enough and so give further confirmation that Lazarus' body, he, he, it is dead and the the third reason i think why jesus waited which is an interesting idea i read this da carson who's a scholar says this that there are jewish writings written around the time of lazarus's death that said that the soul hovers over the body of the deceased person for the first three days that the body's dead okay intending to re-enter the body But as soon as the soul sees the body's appearance change because of the decomposition, the soul departs. And then at that point, this group of Jewish people believed that death was irreversible. Now that's not what we believe. Um, That's not in the Bible. But what is in the Bible is in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that Paul says, I would much rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. At home with the, away from the body, at home with the Lord. So, when a body dies, the soul is with Jesus. That's what happens. Okay. So, Jesus waits longer than three days to come to Lazarus to make this point that even if the Jews had been right about this, even if Lazarus's soul had hovered over his body for three days, it would have been gone by now. Because even the Jews that believe this would have agreed that by the fourth day, it was impossible. To bring a dead body back to life and all that being said it was clear to everyone present that lazarus was truly dead he wasn't sleeping his body had not been embalmed but had been wrapped and buried in a tomb and it had been four days since he died so even according to some jewish teachings his spirit couldn't possibly be in this body so jesus said to martha did i not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of people, the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And so by praying here to God the Father, Jesus is demonstrating the type of close relationship that he has with the father and he's reaffirming what he said earlier right that he does nothing by himself jesus is dependent on god the father and that he does everything god the father tells him to do and and again what jesus says he says the reason that he prays out loud is so that they might believe so that we might believe, these read, us readers of Scripture, that we might believe that Jesus is God the Son sent to the earth by God the Father. And after praying, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! So the man, it says, who had died, came out. And his hands and his feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary, had seen what he did and believed in him. That's awesome, you guys. Th- now, let me ask you this, okay? You don't have to answer. You can answer if you want by this. Do you believe this happened? I mean, this is, think about this. This isn't a fiction book. This is reality. A dead man was raised to life by Jesus by the power of his words. (laughs) This is incredible. A few days earlier, Jesus promised that he would take Lazarus's tragic situation and that he was going to do something through this situation that would reveal God's glory in an awesome way. That's exactly what Jesus does here. He shows he is God and he is awesome. He proves that he is the resurrection and the life. And he displays for everybody, for you and me and all of creation, that he speaks to the dust and he speaks to dead bodies and he makes them come alive. And we also know that Jesus is going to show his glory in an even more incredible way in a few weeks down the road when by his own power he raises his own dead body to life and down the road even further he's going to show his glory by resurrecting you and me from the dead amen we're in christ a few days earlier before this jesus also promised that he would display his glory through lazarus in such a way that it's going to produce faith in people who witness this okay and that's what happens verse 45 says that many of the jews who were with mary and martha believed in jesus Because of the miracle. So think about this. Had Lazarus not suffered and died, many people would not have believed in Jesus because they wouldn't have ever seen Lazarus brought back to life. Jesus was using his suffering, Lazarus' suffering, to save people. And a few days before that, remember that the passage suggested by allowing Lazarus to die, Jesus would somehow also show the depth of his love for Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And that's exactly what he does here. He doesn't let his friend remain in the grave forever. Instead, he loves them so much that he uses their suffering as a means by which they will actually experience greater joy in Christ than had they not suffered Wow. Jesus loved them so much that he worked in their lives in such an awesome way that their story is recorded in God's word forever as a testimony to God's glory and as a testimony to us that we might believe and have salvation in Christ. Wow. (laughs) God honored them this way. Jesus kept his word, he accomplished all that he promised for the glory of his own name, for the glory of God, and for the blessing of you and me. Praise God. And so, as we look at this resurrection of Lazarus, I want you to also see that it's a picture of what Jesus has already done for his church. It's a picture of what Jesus will do also in the future, okay? Jesus wants us to take Lazarus' situation and also apply it to us because in verse 25 to 26, he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever, that's us, believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So if we are Christians, then God at some point used some means for us to hear or read this good news about Jesus, right? Could have been a Sunday school teacher, could have been our parents, could have been a preacher, could have been a friend at school. God got the gospel to us. We heard it. And upon having that gospel planted into our hearts, God did for us what he does for Lazarus here. He spoke with power to our spirits, which were dead, Ephesians says. Our spirits were dead. And it says, God made us alive. He brought us to life just like he brought Lazarus' body to life. God made us born again. That's what it means to be born again. You were dead. Jesus raised you up. He made you born again. He forgave you. You're a new creation. He cleansed you for all time with the blood of Christ. This is what Jesus wants us to know. We have life with him now. Get this? It doesn't just start when we die physically. We have friendship with him now. It will continue and get better when we die. But he's with us right now. We have the resurrection and the life right now. And one day in the future, when Jesus returns to earth, he says that he'll resurrect our physical body from the dead in a resurrection like his. That our souls will be uh, reunited to our body. So some people will have past. Some of us will be dead. Okay? So our bodies will be in the ground. Our souls will be with Jesus in heaven. So for some people, the body and the spirit are going to reunite right there on earth, okay? For some people, they'll still be living. Okay? Either way, this is what Jesus says. He says, I'm going to glorify you when I come back and complete you in such a way that you will be how I want you to be forever. God will do this because we trusted in Christ because of God's grace and mercy. (laughs) Wow. So as we bring this home, you guys, as we go through the different circumstances in our life, let's remember that this is who our God is. He is the resurrection and the life who we have right now, living his spirits, living in our hearts. We have access to him right now Let's pray for perseverance for ourselves, for our church, for those in our community groups, for our friends and family, that whatever circumstances they're going through, God will help them persevere in faith so that we can enjoy more and more of Jesus' resurrection life and power in our lives now, right? Praise God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you. You are the resurrection and the life. Lord, we thank you for being gracious and merciful to us. You are just, you are fair, so you do not let evil go unpunished. That you were punished on the cross in place of your church so that all who trust in you might not ever be condemned or punished, but might simply have life with you now and forever. God, as we sojourn on here in this we you tell us we are aliens to this world we're strangers we're not home yet god as we as we sojourn in this place would you please give us more of your resurrection life and power help us god as we walk through these trenches of suffering and death that afflict all of humanity in which all of us have to walk through until we die and see you face to face Use our lives, God, by your grace to push against the darkness. Use our lives to tell others that there is a resurrection and a life, a person, Jesus Christ, who loves them and whom they can be friends with forever. Give us those opportunities. Help us to pray for the lost, Jesus. Help us to speak boldly and lovingly as you want us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.